Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, for those of you that missed it on Wednesday night, we had an awesome team meeting uh, where we uh, got together. We had Christian Chicken from Chick-fil-A, and we gave some updates and shared some things. And one of the things that we updated everybody on was we passed out one of these, which we're calling our culture card. And so when people come to Authentic Church, if they have a basis for church at all, they usually ask me, Uh, they say, hey, pastor, what kind of church is this? And when somebody asks that question, I know that they're already a Christian and they're just trying to figure out if this is gonna be a church that they would want to call home. And for Authentic, we're a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. Uh, We love the Bible. We teach from the Bible. Uh, The Word of God is our true north. It's our compass. It's our lamp. And we're we're spirit-empowered. We believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today to help us walk out what God has called us to do. And we're presence-driven, meaning we're not leaning into the programs and performances of man. We're leaning into the presence of God. How many know the presence of God is better than any performance of man? And so we're all about the presence of God here in this house. And so we've built our time together on Sundays and Wednesdays when we come together. We're really desiring to fulfill our vision. And our vision at Authentic Church, our vision is to encounter God to discover community and fulfill the call of God that's on our lives. The reason that we're so, uh, 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 we've, we feel so much importance on encountering God is because having walked with the Lord for a long time now, if you don't have an encounter with God, I don't know that you're gonna be around in 20 years. And if you're not having community and you're just encountering God, then you just kind of get weird and you forget the purpose that God gave to you, that it's not just for us to gather together and sing some songs, which is awesome, and worship is awesome, but it's so that we're equipped and empowered to serve the community and go out into the community. So we want you to help you fulfill the call of God in your lives. And so one of the things that we're doing in walking that vision out is we're actually rolling out in April, you've seen it in your bulletins, what we call our next steps class. And everybody has a next step to take with God. For a mature believer, their next step's gonna look different than somebody who's not a believer. To a brand new new believer, it's gonna look a little bit different than somebody else. And so we have these next steps, and really the heart of it is, is just to help you take whatever that next step is for you and your relationship with God. So we're asking all of the serve team, anybody that serves in this house, we're asking you to to put um, uh, an asterisk on those dates and do whatever you can, move whatever you gotta move to be here. That's gonna happen on April 3rd and 10th, immediately following our services. It's gonna be a great time. So as your pastor, I'm pleading with you, uh, please join us for that. It's gonna be an awesome time, and I think it's really, really gonna help you. So... That's it. I think those were all the updates that I had. And then the, uh, the culture card that we have, you can grab these on the way out. They'll be over at the, uh, the connect table there. But one of our values as a church is honor. And in honor, we feel that honor is truly heaven's value. Honor, as we say, is the gateway to bring heaven to earth. And so for us, honor is really important. We honor up, honor down, all the way around. And I wanted to take a moment this morning. We have two very special people that are in our midst, and that's Mark and Sandy Job. If you could please stand and just wave to everybody. Pastor Mark and Pastor Sandy. They traveled all the way from the nation of Texas to be with us today. 
to the promised land of California. Come on. The, 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 the harvest is plenty. The workers are you. No, the work, <laughs> I think it goes different than that, but the workers are few. Yeah, so they've come. So we're part of the Gateway Church Network, and, and uh, Fawn and I, when we were out uh, in Dallas, Texas, we attended Gateway Church at that time, and we had a longstanding relationship because their senior pastor, a gentleman named Robert Morris, he had come up to our church in Seattle when Fawn and I were newly married at the city church, and he was connecting with our pastor, Pastor Wendell. So there's a bit of a family tree that leads from Seattle through California out to Dallas, Texas, and back around. And that, that church, I think when Pastor Robert came and visited our church up in Seattle, uh, we were running about six or 7,000 people, which in Seattle is like equivalent to what you guys got now, I think. But in Seattle, that was, a, that was a massive church in Seattle. That's a massive church no matter what. And I think Gateway at that time was about 2,000 thousand uh, people and Pastor Wendell has gone on to be with the Lord and he's cheering with us from the grandstands of heaven today but Robert Pastor Robert and the team they've built an incredible church and not only is it a large church but it's the most healthy church you can make a lot of things big you can attract a lot of people but can you do it for a length of time and sustained and is it healthy and it's honestly one of the healthiest churches that I've ever seen in my life so anyways we are so honored to have you here with us taking time out out of your vacation with your kids in Newport to come and hang out in, in uh, authentic church today. So, well, we are in week 10 of a series that we titled Visioneering, and it's really the thought behind it is engineering our lives around a God-sized vision. So a lot of people want God to get on board with what we're doing, but God's saying, I'm, I'm already doing something over here, and if those giftings and talents that I've placed in you, if you can just tap that into what I'm doing, you're gonna see incredible fruit. And so today, we are gonna take a look at a gentleman who placed himself in the path of God, and his life radically transformed. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna jump into the word. Amen, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can gather together. God, I thank you for the family of Authentic Church. God, I thank you, Father, for moving through this service, moving through our time. Lord, we didn't come here to hear a man speak. We came here to hear you speak. So God, we just ask you to speak now. Our hearts are ready and receptive to receive all that you have for us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just give downloads. People that came here seeking answers, to questions, God, would you just give them answers, give them solution. Those that are feeling hopeless, God, would you give them hope today? Those that need forgiveness, I thank you for your hand of forgiveness that extends. Those that need salvation, that don't know you yet, God, I pray that they would have that moment with you this morning. Holy Spirit, we just say yes and amen to everything that you have for us, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So Luke chapter 19, we're gonna pick up the text and we're gonna take a look at this famous passage of scripture, and if you're new to the Bible, uh, this is Luke chapter 19, so there's, there's four gospels that tell the story of Jesus. They tell about Jesus' life, okay? And this is in the New Testament in your Bible. It's kind of towards that back half of the Bible. And the book of Luke is, the, Luke was a doctor, and he became a follower of Christ, and he goes back and he records all these situations, scenarios, parables, stories, things that happened in the life of Jesus to be able to share to others. And so he records this story about this man named Zacchaeus. And we're gonna read it in Luke chapter 19, verse one. If you're with me, say amen. amen. 
Amen. And if you don't have a Bible, we got big Bibles right here. And we cannot lie. So there's the big Bible right there. Verse one. That was a lame joke. I know that was lame. That was it. I don't even know where that came from. Why did I even say that? Okay, all you people that know that song, get back into the presence of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Oh, man. He's making his way through the town. He's making his way through Costa Mesa, some people say. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. How many know when the Bible says you're very rich, you're rich, okay? Verse three, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd because short people got no body. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Don't you just love that picture? Come on, I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus, verse six, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. But the people were so excited to see the grace of God before their eyes as Jesus so welcomed this sinner. No, that's not what it says. It says the people were displeased. He'd gone to be one of a guest of that notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated any people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded to him, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Amen. So for you type A personalities, I am going to give you the three points of the message because I know you will go crazy if you don't have three points of a message, right? You're used to three points at times. So for you, if it's okay with you, the type A'ers, I'm gonna give you the answers in the back of the book right now so you have them all so that you can just rest and just take in what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today, okay? So here's the three points of the message. Number one, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Number two, hurry down. It's not time to be lollygagging around. It's time to hurry down when Jesus calls you. Number three, repent and seek restoration. Repent and seek restoration. Three points. All right, I'm going to pray, and you guys can be dismissed, and we'll go. Just kidding. All right, so let me paint the picture of the scene, what's going on. So Jesus is entering his last days before he hits the cross. And he's passing through Jericho. Nobody knows that this is the last time that he will pass this way. They're thinking he's gonna go and overthrow Rome, that we're gonna, we're, he's gonna not just serve for four years of presidency, man, he's gonna run for the rest of our lives, he's it. And so the crowd is stoked out of their minds. They're following Jesus. And what happens in the Bible, you'll read throughout, 
three times a year, according to Deuteronomy 16, verse 16, three times a year, the men of Israel were required to go and present themselves and they would bring an offering to Jerusalem. So three times a year they would do this and they would come before the presence of the Lord. The first feast that they did that was in the springtime, which Jesus is journeying with them, and that was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which leads into Passover. And then 50 days later was the Feast of Weeks, which is where we get the word Pentecost. And then in the fall time, there was the Feast of Tabernacles or booths where they would come and they would remember in their shelters in the desert and things that God did. So Jesus is walking with them and he's on a journey to Jerusalem and he's passing through Jericho. Now, what you don't see right here in the text in 19, if you go back to chapter 18, you see that Jesus is coming up to the city and he's sharing with his disciples a parable about a widow. And and he used that parable at the beginning of chapter 18 as a picture to pray and don't give up. To not give up. You gotta pray and not give up. So he literally teaches his disciples this And then the funniest thing happens, they walk on a blind man, walk up, not walk on a blind man, they walk up to a blind man. (laughs) They walk up to a blind man. (laughs) Talk about kicking a guy when he's down, he's like, I'm blind. (laughs) They walk up to a blind man and he won't shut up. And it's like the perfect illustration. Jesus preaches it and he's like, oh, here's a blind guy that won't shut up that is screaming for his healing. He's like, son of David, have mercy on me, son of David. And the crowd's like, be quiet. And so he got all the louder and Jesus finally stopped and looked at him and says, so what do you want? And I thought that was so funny. When I read that in scriptures, my mind just kind of is a little comedic. And I look at that, I'm like, what did he want? What do you think he wanted? He's blind, you know? But Jesus is saying, do you really want your healing? Do you really want this? Because in, in essence, Jesus is saying, if I heal you, your whole way of life and how you make money just standing there and begging and not working and doing anything, that's about to change. Now you're gonna actually have to be a steward of what I'm gonna give you because I'm gonna give you healing and now you gotta steward that healing. You're gonna have to get off your butt and work. Do you really want your healing? And the blind man says yes. And so what happens is Jesus is there with the crowd. There's the party train going to Jerusalem for the feast. And they're going up there and everybody's excited. The blind man, they pray for him. He gets healed. So the blind man now, he comes and he starts joining in the party train. And they're party training it up to Jerusalem. And then he's coming through Jericho. Now Jericho, um, if you're not familiar with that city, it's one of the oldest recorded cities in history. And it's, it's, it's over in, in outside of Jerusalem. It's north of the Dead Sea, if you kind of know that area. And it was one of the wealthiest cities of its day. That city, if you go back a, a, a number of years, you go back to when the Israelites came out of Egypt. That was the first city that was conquered when they began to walk out their freedom. And so here's Jericho, and Jesus is walking with all these people, and the blind man that just got freed from blind eyes, and he comes up and there's a man named Zacchaeus that comes to him. Now Zacchaeus is looking out through the crowd, and he's looking down the road, and there's a crowd all around Jesus, and as a short guy, little Danny DeVito looking guy, he knows he doesn't have a big chance. This is his one chance to grab Jesus. This is the chance. So he's looking at the crowd. Now what you have to know about Zacchaeus, we read about it, He's the chief tax collector in one of the wealthiest cities of the region. 
really one of the wealthiest cities of the world at that time. So he was one of the wealthiest men of the world at that time. So Zacchaeus sees it, and he's recalling who he is. But there was something inside of him that rose up, despite who I am, despite what I've done, despite all the people that I've cheated in this crowd, all the people that I've hurt in this crowd, could Jesus be for real? Could this guy actually be the healer? Could he be who he says and who people says, say that he is? And so Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, gets a little bit undignified. And he refuses to let this moment pass him by. I love how in, the, in, in, in the, the writings of Paul, Paul refers to himself, he says, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the chief of sinners. I, in other words, I, I've, I've done more than y'all. And then it refers to Zacchaeus. He's reminded that he was the chief tax collector. So the tax collector at that time, if you're unfamiliar, what would happen is he's working for Rome, but he's Jewish, okay? So he's Jewish by birth, but he's working for Rome to make money. And so what you would do as a tax collector, Rome would tell you, this is how much tax I need to collect from this area. If you're going to be our main tax collector, we'll commission you to go get taxes from all the people. But here's the good thing for you, Mr. Tax Collector. If you will sell out your people, whatever above and beyond you pay to us, you can keep. So if the taxes are that, of that region is $5 million and you collect six, you get to pad your pockets with a million bucks. You pay us the five, you keep the one, that's a total of $6 million. Math, welcome to church on Sunday morning, math. So that's what Zacchaeus did. So he is, he's, he's, he's Jewish, but he's a sellout. He's he, what you would call maybe a non-practicing Jew. And the people that were once his friends, he's selling them out. And although the people can't stand him, there's not much they can do about him because if they confront him too much, he has the power to call that Roman soldier to come over and whip you. So you do enough to get along with him, but you really don't like him. And there's times in your life where he probably took food off of your table and you just said, sorry kids, we don't have any food today because dad had to pay his taxes. And if you were really frustrated with Zacchaeus, you would just point at him with your kids. That's the man. That's the man. That's the man who stole from our family. That's the man. I want you to remember him. That's the man who stole from us. So Zacchaeus, here he is, a thief, stealing people. And he's working for Rome. He's not well-liked. He's a bit of a mob boss, right? And so here he is, and he sees this opportunity with Jesus. And then he does something just absolutely crazy. One of the wealthiest men in all the area, runs and climbs a tree. Climbs a tree. The sycamore tree, if you've ever seen a sycamore tree, the branches are not necessarily all low to the ground. It's not like he's, it's not like he's, he's not climbing three feet to get a barely a look over the crowd. No, when you climb a sycamore tree, it's gonna take some effort and you grab hold of that bark and here he is as a wealthy man scurrying up a tree like a child to go and climb out on a limb to get a view of Jesus. Like just picture it for a moment. Jesus is just walking along, crowd of people, it's probably loud, they're probably all calling out Jesus and they're bringing people and asking for healings and this, that and the other and he's got a mob of people around him and he's heading to Jerusalem and as he's walking, he sees the sycamore tree 
and he sees this man up in the sycamore tree and he pauses for a second and stops. And he says to him, he says, Zacchaeus. I could just imagine what Zacchaeus felt in his heart. <laughs> He's talking to me. He's talking to me. Is this good or bad? Zacchaeus. <laughs> right? Sometimes we feel like God calls our name. We don't want to hear from God because we feel like if he calls our name, it's going to be like this lightning bolt from heaven. And, he's, and you feel like ashamed and you cower. Can I just tell you, God is not like that. God is not like that. I had to get over that. Some of you know my story, but I grew up Catholic and coming up on St. Patrick's Day next week. This is how Catholic I am. My father was born on St. Patrick's Day. And his name is... Patrick, true story. And he looks like George Costanza, so he could be Zacchaeus. So. <laughs> come down from the tree, Dad, come down from the tree. My folks watch every week, so. So here's Zacchaeus. So he's, the Bible says he's short in stature, but that he's rich in wealth. Now, you know, short in stature, rich, height, money, it's all subjective, it's all relative, right? You ever thought you had some money and then you got around somebody that had some money and you're like, okay, I'm gonna shut up now. Like I remember a few years ago, um, I'm, in, I'm in Texas and I'm building a business and it's rocking and rolling and we're feeling pretty good, you know, and we've done the trips and bought the stuff and the blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And, and I'm sitting down and, and I got invited to this little dessert night for people that were telling us about some ways you could sow into Israel and some Christian ministries that were doing cool stuff. And so I go to this dessert night um, and uh, I'm sitting there talking with the guy and his name's Jeff and my name's Jeff. And he's like, huh. And then he's, you know, he's ribbing me. He's like, why haven't you been to Israel, man? He goes, what, you don't have the money to go to Israel? And I don't like it when people ask me that. I don't, I just don't, don't ask me about my money. And so he's kind of, and he's like, you should just go. If you got the money, man, you should just go. It's going to change your life. So we're talking and he's asking what I do and I own my own business. And I'm like, what do you do? And he goes, well, I own the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zacchaeus. <laughs> so just to further illustrate this point, Alyssa, come up here. Yeah, right here. Yeah. yeah. Everybody give it up for Alyssa. <laughs> Alyssa's our fashionista of Authentic Church. She's got her own clothing line that's very successful, the Boundless, awesome clothing line in Newport. So uh, uh, Alyssa, you know, she knows this isn't going to hurt her feelings, but Alyssa is just vertically challenged, you know, and so, but she's an amazing person. So when I'm walking next to Alyssa, I could feel pretty tall, right? I could feel pretty tall, right? And so we could talk and anytime I'm like, man, if, if I feel short and all in life, I just come next to Alyssa and suddenly I feel pretty tall. I know it doesn't sound so horrible. Thank you, pastor. But then a tall guy like Isaac, come here, Isaac walks into the room. And now you don't feel so tall anymore, right? You know? Height and riches, it's all relative. Okay, you guys can sit down. Thank you, thank you. And by the way, tall people, for all you tall people, look up how many tall people did amazing things in the Bible. Not many, not many. Just, I'm, I'm but there was an Isaac that did awesome stuff in the Bible. <laughs> Tall people. You know, Saul had the height to be king, but he didn't have the heart to be king. Right? 
And I believe in this hour, God is raising up people that may not look like it, they may not look like the most talented. They may not fit the mold of what most people think. Oh, that's what a pastor is supposed to do. That's what a preacher is supposed to do. That's what a missionary is supposed to look like. Or they're, He's going to raise people up, and I believe he's going to do it, those that have the heart, and he's going to shock the world. God loves taking people that were the left out, the cast outs, the have-nots, and he loves just pouring his spirit out upon them. And it's a, a sign and a miracle and a wonder that everybody looks at it, and there's like, there's no way Jeff could do that. That's clear. Clearly God, like God's raising up those people. Amen. Amen. So Zacchaeus is short and he's rich. You know, I find that sometimes in life you can be tall in one area and short in another. Some of you, you're tall maybe in your finances, but you're short when it comes to relationships. Some of you, you're maybe tall, maybe you're a giant at the office, but you kind of measure up short sometimes at home. And I want to encourage you, never become a public success and a private failure. Your kids get the best of you. Your family gets the best of you, not the rest of you. Amen? So we commit to that. That's why for us as a family, we're really big on having Sabbath time. And my wife and I have date nights every single week. Why? Because I wouldn't want anything to outrun the success at home. We have to live with intentionality. So Zacchaeus, he measures up short, and he's got this idol of money. And if, you're, if you've never heard the term idol, basically an, an idol is anything where if God says, do this, and you have to check with that thing, that's the idol. If God tells you to go here and you go, ah, uh, but this thing, idol. God tells you to give away something, ah, uh, idol. He wants to remove the idols from your life. And so Zacchaeus has this moment with Jesus and he removed idols from this life. I've been around plenty of wealthy people in my life. I've flown on their private jets. I've gone on their yachts. I've seen that kind of world. I've never seen a wealthy, rich person run and climb a tree. I mean, not just to see Jesus. I'm just saying, when was the last time you just saw somebody just run outside, a wealthy guy, they're on lunch hour. What do you want to do, Ed? Let's go climb a tree. You know, it's like, that just doesn't happen. But that was the level, that was the measure of desperation that this guy had. That he would run and he would climb a tree just for the opportunity to see Jesus. And I read that story and I'm like, if Zacchaeus could run and climb a tree, Lord, I think I could lift my hands. I think I could sing a little louder. I think I could lean into your presence. I think I, I, th I think I could get up early, Lord God, and have a moment with you. I think, I think I could take time to give you praise and realize that anything good in my life is all from you. I think I could take a moment. If Zacchaeus, in his hunger for God, could run and climb a tree, could we run into the presence of God today? Anybody want to run and climb a tree? <laughs> Come on. I read this story and I see it play out in my mind and I'm like, man, I love that. And, and, and the times where I felt like Jesus was there and I was in the crowd when I should have ran and climbed a tree and I'm like, man, I, I, wanna, I wanna run ahead, I wanna spend time with you and Jesus is calling out and he calls him down and he says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. Jesus is saying, I must come to your house today. So Zacchaeus invites Jesus over, and I can just imagine the scene. 
You're in the crowd. You're one of the people that got cheated out of money by this jerk, this robber, this thief. And Jesus says, hey, I'm gonna go have dinner with him. You're like, dude, I've been following you for like the last 20 miles, man, and we haven't had any meal, right? I mean, could you, like, what kind of feelings was in the crowd? So they did not rejoice, they murmured. What, go back to eight verse, uh, or chapter 18 of, chapter, or of Luke, Luke chapter 18. When he healed the blind man, it said the people rejoiced. When he goes to connect with a sinner and extend grace, they groan. Because when they saw the grace of God for that man, it brought up a wound in their lives. They're like, this notorious sinner, Jesus is gonna spend time with him? I want a seat at that table. And Jesus is like, no, your time, your, your, your time's gonna come, you're invited too, but right now, I need to do business with this young man. I need to do, do business with this guy. So Zacchaeus comes down from the tree. And I could just imagine it. He grabs his cronies, his guys, his, you know, he's, he's the chief tax collector, so he probably grabbed some of his tax collectors, I would think. The Bible doesn't really tell us what happened at that meal. We were not pervy to that. Theologians speculate. Nobody knows what, happens, what happened at that meal. All we saw was the hunger of Zacchaeus. We see the call of Jesus. And then we, there was a lunch or a meal or a time together. And then we saw repentance. And he repented and he went to repay. He went to make things right with people. So we don't get a glimpse as to what that conversation was, but it was so powerful that he literally, it changed his life. And in a moment, he went from being Zacchaeus, the sinner, the robber, the liar, the cheater, the swindler, to suddenly he was generous. He's given half of his possessions to the poor. Anybody that he robbed, cheated out of, he's going and he's making it right with them. He's doing good to those that he used to do wrong to. He's trying to make amends wherever he needed to make amends. And Jesus smiles at that. And I can just imagine, he's having that moment. And, and, and here he is, Zacchaeus is talking to them. And, 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 and in that time, Zacchaeus is probably grabbing his guys. He's saying, hey, we're, this is what we're going to do. And I can imagine when the words came out of his mouth, what all of his cronies felt when he said, I'm going to give half of all my money. They're like, what? I'm going to repay four times. The accountant's like, oh, no, you know, where's my salary going? But he was so touched, and it's like for him, he's like, did you not see his eyes? Did you not hear his words? Did you not sense the love? Did you see the compassion that I experienced in that moment? He's just so drawn to Jesus that he would respond like that. So this morning, we're actually gonna have a time of response. I'm gonna have Kara come up and, and the worship team go ahead and come back up, and we're gonna close out in a moment. We're actually gonna have a time of communion today. And I'm just wondering if there's anybody in here that feels like maybe you've been walking with Jesus, but this message was for you and you're like, I'm ready to run. I'm ready to run. I'm ready to get passionate about the things of God. I'm ready to turn it up a notch. I'm ready to turn it up. I'm, I'm ready to seek him. I'm really, really ready to see him. You know, the interesting thing is when Zacchaeus climbed that tree, I don't know where that tree was exactly on the road. You can go there and they say, this was the tree. And it's, you know, they make a, a big show of it when you go and visit Israel. And uh, it's cool. 
And uh, I don't know if that was the exact tree, but somewhere along the line, God knew there was gonna be a man named Zacchaeus because he was gonna form him, right? Zacchaeus might have been a surprise to his parents, but he was not a surprise to God, <laughs> and neither are you. And so there was a moment that Zacchaeus would be at the end of himself. Now he didn't know this was the last time Jesus was coming. He didn't know this was the last invitation that he would receive. He didn't know this was the last time Jesus was gonna pass through his town, but it happened. This is the last time. And before Zacchaeus, before his parents even came together, there was a tree that was planted knowing one day that tree is gonna grow strong enough to hold a young or a little man named Zacchaeus. And he's gonna climb up and he's gonna perch and it's gonna set the stage for a moment with him. And that moment will be recorded for all time in my word. God foreknew this. There was a tree that was planted. In your life, in my life, there's trees that have been planted. This church, this gathering, might be a tree that God placed on your path for you to climb and see Jesus. Maybe you've been coming, maybe you've been on the outside looking in, maybe you've been wondering about what faith is, what it's all about, what's this Jesus, what's this journey. I feel like I, I can relate to Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus, he might've had a lot of stuff, but he had, he had faced the poverty of riches. You can have a house and have nobody in it. You can have a luxurious car and have nobody to ride alongside of you. You can take epic vacations all by yourself or only with people if you pay their way. And I've been around those people and it's a sad place. It's the poverty of riches. And Zacchaeus is there and he lays it all down. And he's just like, man, Jesus is so good. He's so kind. He, he, he blew my mind with who he was. I heard about him, but now I see him. Today, you might have been coming here hearing about Jesus, but I pray today that you see him. See him. So we're gonna have a time of communion right now. And James 4 verse 8 says this, says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That's a promise. Today, I wanna encourage you draw near to God and don't walk to draw and run there's there's a time of hurrying there's a time of God coming into the situation there's a time where God is calling you close I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son and and when when the father is in the house he tells him, he says, hurry because my son is coming home. My son that is stinky, filled with shame, that doesn't look the way we sent him out. He's coming back to the house, not the way that he is. We're gonna clean him up. We're gonna get that dust off of him. He's gonna shower. We're gonna give him the nicest robe. We're gonna put a ring on my his finger. That's my son. So he tells the servants in the house, hurry, my son's coming home. When we gather together, it's not just about us. There is a world out there of people that are lost and desperate and they need Jesus. They have a God-sized hole. You can't tell me people don't desire God when they're going to yoga and meditation and seeking a psychic and all this other stuff. People desire Jesus and we're gonna show him. We're gonna show them Jesus to the best of our abilities. But it starts with us. The transformation starts with us. So I just wanna encourage you today run to Jesus, run 
to the Father. Jesus is coming. You've positioned yourself today, here in this moment. You're in the path of Jesus. You've positioned yourself in alignment with Him. Come, hurry. He must come to your house. It can't just be a Sunday morning. It can't just be a Wednesday. He must come to your house. He wants to be in the everyday. He must come into your marriage. He must come into your business. He must come into your work. He must come into your home and your children and your planning, all you're doing. He, mu- he wants to come so badly. So we're gonna open up the front and just wanna close with this thought. It says that Jesus is walking and he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. And the question is, who was looking for who? Zacchaeus climbed to see, but I, I think Jesus was looking for him. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening.